1: Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro
2: Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
1: Swing and a drive. Right field and deep. That goes Aquino. It's got a chance. Gone. Get out the tape measure. Long gone.
2: Fly the W! Cubs fans, it's time to Fly the W with Dustin Rhodes and Paul
3: Crawley-Jean. You are listening to the Fly the W 670 podcast, season 2, episode 31, Cubs Pin the Padres. Don't forget to listen, download, review. Most importantly, subscribe to our podcast and to follow us on the socials Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram, and Fly the W on Facebook. Or email us at flythew670gmail.com. Crowley, happy Thursday. What a week.
4: Yeah, yeah you know, it was uh, it was a, a great series. I was at Wrigley last night. It was mighty chilly. I, I have now thawed out and I'm ready to talk some Cubs baseball.
3: All right. Well, let's uh, before we talk about Game One or Game Two rather, let's talk about Game One. That's when uh, Justin Steele was on the mound, Blake Snell was going for the Padres, and this was the game that you and I felt most comfortable with when we previewed this series late last week.
4: Yeah. So the Cubs took this one six to nothing, and just some key takeaways from the game. Justin Steele continues to dominate. He went five point one innings, three hits, zero runs, two walks, and five Ks. So, Dustin, that's 12 straight starts, allowing two earned runs or fewer. He has the best ERA since the 2022 All-Star break. You take a look at the names that I just put up here. Justin Steele, since the 2022 All-Star break, 108 ERA. Justin Verlander, 151. Dustin, your guide, Jose Quintana, 167. And (laughs) Zach Gallion at 178. But Verlander and Quintana haven't even pitched in 2023 because of injury. Yes. So if you take a look, I mean, it's almost like a full run better than anybody else since the All-Star break in 2022. And that is really, really good to see.
3: It's really great to see. The other part, Crowley, that's great about this is homegrown talent, right? Something that the Cubs have been beat up about, and rightfully so. But this is homegrown talent.
4: Absolutely. And 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 there's going to be more of that coming. So the other key takeaway that I was looking at here is Jan Gomes. Before the game, Jan Gomes had reached base safely in each of his last seven games with hits in six of them, including four multi-hit efforts. Jan went four for four with a two-run home run in the second and an RBI single uh, in the eighth. He also threw out a runner in last night's win. His third caught stealing in as many attempts. He's the first Cubs pitcher to have four-plus hits, including a home run, and catch a runner stealing since Henry Blanco, a.k.a. Hank White did it in July 24th, 2005. And Hank
3: White, huh? Hank
4: White, absolutely. And, and he is, he, at the time, at game after game two, he was the only qualified catcher in the majors who has yet to give up a stolen base. So when you take a look at Jan Gomes, he's doing all the things that I said when I said, let Wilson walk and everybody literally was angry with me. I said, they want a guy that can call a game, a guy that's going, you know, did I expect him to, to, to hit all these home runs? No, I did not expect that. No, I don't think anybody
3: did. Uh, You know, it was funny. Jan got, Jan got a little, uh, you know, kind of
4: funnily was, uh, with uh, Taylor McGregor. Oh, what you doubted me. Right. But, but, but the thing I'm seeing, think about this at a time when everybody's stealing bases, right? Two disengagements, bigger, bigger, bigger pillows that you got out there, all this stuff, they're not running on him. Nope. They're not running on him, and, and so that tells you something about what he's doing. And and just looking at the way that the Cubs are performing with him behind the mound, it is just absolutely phenomenal. I think he's just doing a really, really great start. Look at this stat here, Dustin. We're talking about Justin Steele. Justin, this is from Jordan Bastion. Justin Steele now has a 140 ERA with 70 strikeouts and 15 walks in 58 career innings with Jan Gomes behind the dish. That seems like a
3: connection right there, right? That, that seems, that seems like a connection, you know, going back to really quickly. And we had a Ron Coomer on today with the uh, Mully and Haw show instead of Friday this week, because of the uh, NFL draft, this little story that's going on in in sports Carly. I know you're not concerned about it. Um, (laughs) But Coomer's ready to move off. Coomer's done talking about Wilson Contreras, oh. which is no disrespect, but he's like, that, that, that ship has sailed, that ship has moved along. But I don't think any of the Cubs pitchers went to bat, pun intended, for Wilson Contreras when management was trying to decide what to or not to do with him.
4: Right, and, and, and trust me, I was somebody that wanted to sign Anthony Rizzo. I wanted them to re-sign Chris Bryant. I'm not going to lie, but the one guy I was fine with them letting walk was Wilson Contreras and, and and again it's a short sample size but I, it's what I'm what I'm seeing out there and when I watch the games and I see the way that he frames and the way that he receives the ball and and just the way that he interacts with the with the pitchers the, the, there's a lot to it there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes and I think that Jan Gomes Yeah it's really not the flashy
3: it. it's not the flashy stuff right it's not the stuff that makes sport center it's not the stuff that makes twitter it's not the stuff that makes uh, Instagram or TikTok, people aren't run, people aren't going to go out and buy Jan Gomes jerseys or T-shirts unless you're a, an aspiring catcher, right? So that's that's the difference. You're totally right. It's the little things that don't don't necessarily show up in the box score.
4: Absolutely. And another important thing that comes out of this game is Nico Horner. He had a three-run triple in the eighth to blow it open. That triple kept his 20-game on-base streak alive. Nico is slashing 347, 390, 870. So again, trying to calm myself down a little bit, but man, I mean, I expected him to have a good season. This is this is beyond my expectations for this start here.
3: Right, and it's almost like the uh, the extension, the contract extension, like unlocked him right? Like maybe he was grinding on that, worried about his future. And now he's got nothing to worry about, knows where he's going to be for at least the next four years. And uh, he is playing unbelievable baseball right now.
4: Now, the, the last thing I want to talk about from game one is the bullpen. Alzai, Lighter, Thompson, Rucker, all pitch scoreless innings. Thompson had two walks. and I'm I want to get to that as a key point to, to the game today. But the walks for Keegan is part of a disturbing pattern. And sooner or later, that's going to come bite him in the ass. I'm getting a little bit nervous on that. <laughs> but here's the thing. With that 6 nothing win, that was the fifth shutout by the Cubs pitching staff, tying the franchise records for the most shutouts in the first 22 games of the season. So tying the 1969 team, the 1907, and the 1902, and we still got a couple games left to go. So let, let, let's see what happens here. Yeah, just a few. Good? Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I love when we got the records going back to the early 1900s. Oh, yeah. All right. Game number two, Crowley. Drew Smiley and Michael Waka.
4: Yep. I was there last night. They lost five to three. And some things I had written down really quick. Drew Smiley looking really good once again. Five innings pitch, four hits, two runs. Uh, they're both earned one walk, and four Ks. He received a no decision, but he has a 154 ERA, four earned runs to 23 innings pitch in the last four starts, allowing two earned runs or fewer of them. He has a 217 ERA at Wrigley Field since the start of 2022. And him and the next guy we're going to talk about, Trey Mancini, everybody was getting ready to cut them after like two starts. and And it's just like – I, I know, I know. We were all getting kind of frustrated, and he didn't have a really good spring. But this is baseball, man. It's like wine. You gotta let this sucker breathe a little bit. Let 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 things kind of play out. Not freak out about small sample sizes. Uh, same thing with Trey Mancini. He was two for four with the home run. Uh, he hit his third home run of the year, to tie the game in the fourth. Uh, he's eight for his last 19s. You know, with two home runs and four RBIs in his last six games. So let, let, let's, like I said, let's kind of, you know. He
3: needed to do that, Crowley, so we could back <laughs> up. I, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I'm going to push back a little bit on what you said. Okay. I, I, I don't like the crowd. Oh, it's early. Oh, it's only April. Oh, it's, not, it's not Memorial Day yet. Oh, you got to play 60 games to figure out what they are. Listen, every game counts. Every at-bat counts. They all matter. So there's, it's never too early, especially when you got guys that can do the job, supposedly, at the minor league level. I wasn't ready to cut Trey Mancini. I wanted Trey Mancini here. But I wanted the heat on Trey Mancini, and I think he's responding a little bit to that heat. Not specifically the Dustin Rhodes heat, but there's a lot more than just Dustin Rhodes. I mean, Eric Hosmer as well. Hosmer finally has done a couple of things in the last couple of contests, right? But uh, right. and Hosmer would have been an easier cut if you were going to cut somebody. I'll tell you what, if Drew Smiley wasn't left-handed, I don't know that Drew Smiley would have had his place that he had in the in the Cubs' plans this year. I uh,
4: you know I, I would disagree on that. I, I think they really like him. They like he liked playing for them, and I think that again, you're there's going to be a time where where Nico Horner going to struggle, and it may be a two-week stretch or something. These things happen. And, and I, I think that it's baseball is not a sport where you just sit there and you keep, you know, sending guys to the minor and not playing them because they're struggling. A lot of times you're going to try to let them hit their way and pitch their way out of it. And that's just the way that it goes.
3: Right. I guess maybe that's the sports talk radio in me where every day I'm reacting to what happens on the field. And it, you can't you can't turn on a microphone, Crowley, and say, eh, it's just one game. Eh, doesn't matter. Eh, let's give another start. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. You know what's <laughs> going to happen? Nobody's going to call Crawley. Nobody's going to text. Nobody's going to respond. So it, it, it is our job, like we're reviewing the entire, like we're previewing and recapping series. But on a day to day basis, I mean, if I'm investing now, it's less. If I'm investing two and a half to three hours a night watching the Cubs, listening to the Cubs, I, I have the right after I after I've watched it to have a reaction to
4: it. Right, absolutely, a hundred percent. But again, in baseball, Patrick Wisdom a week and a half ago looked like the second coming of Babe Ruth. Sure. And now he's struggling. These these are just right. these are these are blips. Right. And happened. I and I
3: and I would praise him those days, and I'd give him a hard time the next. That's all.
4: All right. Well, I mean, that's pra- like we'll
3: do a, we'll do a radio here. We'll do a here. Pro, we'll do a podcast on the Cubs after the 60th game, and then Crowley
4: and I will give you all the thoughts we have on the first 60 games. That doesn't work. I hear you. I hear you. And a, and a guy that's that doesn't have any heat on him. Nico kept that streak going 21 games with an 21. RBI single in the fifth. Put the Cubs up 3 to 2. He's had 11 RBIs in his last 6 games and he's reached base safely in 22 of the 23 games he played. I will say I did have some frustrations with that loss. I thought they could have done better against Michael Walker. You know, Michael Walker is nothing anymore. He, he got, you know, they got three runs on four hits, one walk in five Ks. And then Nick Martinez completely shut them down uh, after that, uh, able to get three innings. And he gave up three hits, no runs, two Ks. I thought Bob Melvin did a great job letting him work through the lineup one time. And on the flip side, I thought that Dave Ross was really quick to pull Alzalai just to kind of let the readers kind of know what was going on in this situation. He comes in for Smiley. Uh, he gave up a double quote unquote hashtag sarcastically to Manny Machado on a ball that half <laughs> lost in the lights. But then he gets out Xander Bogarts, Nelson Cruz and Jake Cronworth to end the inning without a threat. Then in the seventh, Sung Kim, who had a great game, he went two for three at the walk, two runs and two stolen bases. He hits a weak single, like 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 it was a seventy mile per hour off the bat, in front of Suzuki. And then Bob Melvin brings in a lefty Trent Grisham to pinch hit for Nola. Now look, I know Alzolay is not great against lefties, but this is, Trent Grisham is not Bryce Harper. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I'm he's not, on I the team
3: because he's a lefty. I mean, every everybody these lefties are so damn lucky. They're lefty half of them
4: right so ross pulls him but here's the thing like the next three four batters are all righties and so he pulls them for brandon hughes and then here's the issue if he either if he would have gotten even even if he would have gotten Brandon hughes on you would have had a runner at first one out and you would have had to face a bunch of righties like jose azucar and fernando tatis jr okay But so I would have rather had left Hughes. I would have rather left Alzelay in there. And then whatever happens to that batter, you know, then he has two more righties to face and he was looking really, really good. Instead, Brandon Hughes, who's supposed to get the lefty out, walks him. And now he has to face two more batters. Jose Azucar bunts to put runners at second and third. And Fernando Tatis, it's a single. And so, you know, now all of a sudden you got a tie game. And then or I'm sorry, you you they now all of they a sudden took the lead, yep. they took the lead. And then to make matters worse, Ross calls on Julian Merriweather with a four-three lead in the ninth to pitch with his eight thirty-eight ERA. And then that combination of Kim and Tatis Jr. scratch out another run, it's five three, and the Cubs needed two runs instead of one to tie in the ninth. I just wasn't um, happy, and I that thought that
3: insurance. I, that insurance run was that insurance run was huge. I totally agree with you, but this is what I'm talking about as far as like diagnosing and breaking down what we're seeing. Right? Um, he, he took out. I agree. He took out Azalea too early, and then it was almost like he was genuflecting. David Ross with Julian Merriweather.
4: I, I like. I said. I don't. I think. You know, sometimes what managers will do when a guy's struggling like Merriweather is, is let them go into less high leverage situations. Right.
3: No leverage there, right. But it, it, you know, it, I think and, the players around the rest of the team feel like, all right, this one's over. We, we get, we're giving it away.
4: To me, like a 4-3 game, Cubs are shown they've been able to come back numerous Absolutely times. Absolutely, they have. Been. And yes, they actually had you. what? They had the and, and they, they had had two the guys on. run, yeah, right. at first base. So I think that was just kind of just some poor bullpen decisions. But hey, you know, what do I know? But uh, so that evens a series at one. It takes us to game three. Hayden Wesnitsky versus Seth Lugo. It's a couple key takeaways. The Cubs win the game five to two and they, they take two at three from the Padres. Here's what I had written down here. I thought Wesnitsky did not have his best stuff. He was kind of behind the hitters a lot, but I thought he grinded, man. I thought he grinded through that start. Five inning pitch, four hits, one run, one walk, three Ks, and one homer to Manny Mat- Machado, which I'm just going to tip the hat. You're not going to get mad giving up a homer to Manny Machado. You know what I mean?
3: No. And before that game started, I had Pat and Ron on the radio, and they were they were predicting a high scoring game, setting that saying that any right handed hitter basically put the bat on the ball in the air, and it was going to get out of there. So uh, kudos to everybody. You know, kudos to Wisniewski for what he
4: did. Well, here's the thing, though, and this is kind of goes back to my point from the other night. Last night, the wind was a crosswind, so it was blowing really hard in from right. But if you could kind of get it towards the scoreboard that on left field, especially if you're a righty, right? You get it up into that scoreboard, there was like a jet stream that you could hit. And Mancini's ball last night did that. He got it right in between the scoreboard and the foul pole, and it just took off. But even then, it pushes it left, and a couple of balls went left of the foul pole. And it was the same thing tonight, is that if you, were a right, if you were a left-handed bat and you were trying to hit it to right field, the wind was crossing so much that it just pushed the balls down a lot. And that happened even more today. So, again, you get it in that jet stream to left even today with a stronger wind. That's what you could do, and you could see there. So, you know, uh, I love the fact in this game that the Cubs continue, you know. You had back-to-back jacks by Horner and Velasquez. So I thought that was great. But the other thing – Hosmer. Thought, Hosmer
3: and Velasquez. Hit or Hosmer and back-to-back.
4: Velasquez. And the other one that I thought was a really important thing is that they were able to add and tack on runs. Tucker Barnhart, they lucked out. This was a great play by Nick Magical. The center fielder, Trent Grisham, loses a ball in the sun. Two outs. Magical is running his butt off and scores on that. Great, great base running by Nick Magical. Not so great by Tucker Barnhart. He ended up at first. You know, he should have been at second on that. So just kind of to keep – but he's a catcher. We'll give him a break. Ian <laughs> Happ added – Ian Happ added on to that. And how about Dan Swanson with his first home run of the season? Yes. After going 0 for 17, he hits a home run. So absolutely great job. And so I was. I was happy that they added runs. I will put one thing that kind of irritates me a little bit. The bullpen, too many walks today, man. You just can't do that. And like you were talking about, on a day when a wind is blowing out and you got a lead, you know, Pat loves to say, no lead is safe, right? No lead is safe, right? And you can't sit there. You got Michael Fulmer, he gave up a walk. You had Mark Leiter Jr., he gave up a walk. Keegan Thompson gave up a walk and a hit. So now you got two guys on base, right? Anything in the air to to left field, that's three runs right there. Boxberger gave up a walk. He was able to get a double play, but too many walks especially when the wind's blowing out. You can't do that.
3: Yeah. So the Cubs Crowley are now 14 and 10 and, uh, take another series. Uh, you've got the standings up here on the screen and, uh, Cubs, uh, you know, a little over 500, almost 600 ball Milwaukee keeps winning. And how about the red hot Pittsburgh pirates?
4: 18 and eight, nine and one in their last 10 games, they were putting a beating on the Dodgers Milwaukee, go take a look at their lineup. I invite people to take a look at their lineup and tell me how the hell they're doing this. I don't know. (laughs) And then, you know, Cincinnati is now on a three-game winning streak. They're starting to do a little bit better again. They're behind the Cubs at 10 and 15. But St. Louis nine and 16 they've lost seven out of their last 10 they're on a three game losing streak dustin i can't have but uh, giggle and smile on this
3: yeah they're uh they're they're tv studio analysts warning people not to go into uh any tall buildings in st louis <laughs> and uh yeah all kinds of craziness going on in uh st. Louis. they sent their like best prospect that they had up they sent them back down to the minors. The manager does not seem to have any control of the clubhouse, so uh, that is something that is very exciting to talk about.
4: Absolutely.
3: All right, couple little injury uh, nuggets, Crawley.
4: Yeah, we know we knew that Cody Bellinger was going to be leaving soon. He was put on the paternity list on Tuesday, and Nelson Velasquez was recalled from Iowa. So Nelly doing great again. He's doing the most with his opportunities. And then 670, the score And Odyssey Sports Baseball Insider, Bruce Levine was the first to report that Kyle Hendricks would be doing his rehab starts for Iowa. I thought it was going to be in a warmer climate. Not the case. And so he pitched today, actually, and our friend of the show, Alex Cohen, final line for Kyle Hendricks, 1.2 inning pitch, 6 hits, 5 earned runs, 3 Ks, 1 walk. Alex says the good news, fastball topped out at 89.3. He looks healthy. First outing for Hendricks in almost 10 months is going to be a process. It's what I've been saying all along. this He's not, I mean, give him time. He's going to need more time. And so, you know, that that, that to me right there, it, 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 this is going to be, he hasn't faced live batters in over a year.
3: Yeah, it, this is something, this, this Crowley, I will agree with you. This is something that's going to take time, and they're doing it the right way. I did see Kyle Hendricks on the Marquee Network, a little video from him, and he's trying to stay positive. He's he's not happy, but he said he was working on some certain things. Some certain things were working right for him, so he figures in three days he'll uh, be back out there for another rehab start.
4: Yep. So we'll we'll see, but we'll we'll kind of keep an eye on it, right?
3: Absolutely. Th- definitely, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll let the uh, the uh, listeners to this podcast know what's up. Uh, Jed Hoyer was on with uh, Parkins and Spiegel uh, earlier in the week, talking about Matt Mervis and Christopher Morel.
4: Yeah, for those of you that haven't been paying attention to the minors, I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous right now what those two guys are doing. Uh, right now, Christopher Morell is his uh, slash line right now is 321, 470, or I'm sorry, 430, 744. He has 10 home runs in 21 games. He literally is almost hitting a home run every other game. He's got seven doubles and a triple. Again, the strikeouts are still up there at 28, right? That, that That is a lot of strikeouts in 20 games, but very, very impressive. And then when you take a look at Matt Mervis, and that's the position, like I said, with Eric Hosmer, that you can really kind of you scratch your chin and think about that this is someone that could help immediately and have every day at bats without having to juggle anything. You could literally have him either hitting uh, – playing first base or pinch hitting every day. But in 21 games for Matt Mervis, less home runs. He has seven home runs, 23 RBIs, four doubles, and he's slashing 294, 409, 591. Um, And he has 17 strikeouts, so almost 11 less than Christopher. But, um, you know, Jed was obviously asked about that and on the Parkinson Spiegel. This is what he had to say, and you can find all these interviews, whether it's Mullion Hall, Parkinson Spiegel, whoever on the Odyssey app, which is where I got this from.
3: What is the more uh, tempting button-to-button to borrow from your intro song? To call up the red-hot Christopher Morrell for outfield depth or to call up the red-hot Matt Mervis for lefty slugging? Which one tempts you more?
2: I mean, they're great. They're both uh, you know, good problems to have, and so, as you would say. Like, they're both uh, playing exceptionally well. They're both really good players. They're both going to impact the Cubs a lot this summer. And, you know, certainly, like I said, we're obviously paying attention to what's going on there. Um and you know, I think both those guys know they're gonna they're gonna get their shot. Um uh, we wanna make sure when they get their shot they're ready and they're playing every day. And um, like I said, I it's great to have those discussions, right? We have a number of guys playing really well in the minors and I think those are the discussions you wanna have because like I said, we're gonna need them. Things are gonna happen. You know, when the Italian went on the I L, you know, you need people to, to step up and and, and perform. When Saya was on the I L we had to get through that period and we're going to have a lot more situations like that, and we just need to be able to, to withstand that because it's never an excuse, right? It's part, of the, it's part of the game. And, you know, right now, Cody's out for a f- couple of days on the paternity list, and, um, you know, we expect Nelly to st- step in really well and, and play well, and that's what you have to expect to be a good team. You have to expect the guys you call off to play really well.
3: And Velasquez has played really well. I thought that they maybe could have given Christopher Morrell a little carrot, if you will, because of how well he's been playing. But, hey, they pick Velasquez again, and he has been delivering.
4: And, Dustin, you know how angry I was that Velasquez didn't break with the team. That right. was as far, instead of Master Blani. So, you know, Jed, Jed again, he, he made it very clear. He wants these guys playing every day and having every day at-bats. And to me, Matt Mervis is the guy that fits that description that can come up and you don't have to juggle anything. You don't have to give days off to anybody. He literally can be there day one. If you cut Hosmer, no big loss. And then eventually, if you wanted to, let's say Mervis starts struggling and you want to bring him down, you can have wisdom, you know, kind of go back and forth playing first. And you could have Morell at third if Morel's still being hot. There's a lot you can do. But right now, today, Matt Mervis can be up here and you wouldn't have to, it w- you, you would be a better team for it and you wouldn't have to juggle or play around with anything.
3: little sad news coming out of uh, an establishment that we've all bent an elbow at. Uh, Murphy's Bleachers lost one of their own.
4: Yeah, Beth Murphy, uh, Beth Murphy, the beloved owner of Murphy's Beaches, passed away after a long battle with cancer. Her and her husband Jim bought the bar from Ray Myers, who uh, owned the bar from 65 to 1980. Uh, Ernie, actually, not Ernie Banks, but a different Ernie owned it before then. But Murphy's was the home for many of the Cubs players and fans alike, especially obviously in the 80s and 90s, it was huge. Um, she was a big part of the Lakeview neighborhood. She always stood up for the small businesses, and she will be missed. Our thoughts and prayers are with her family and the workers at Murphy's bleachers and we do have they do have um, they do have a banner up there now today that wasn't there yesterday that's up that Paul Sullivan tweeted out earlier.
3: Yeah, I also saw a picture I thought it was nice that uh, inside of Wrigley Field they paid tribute to Beth Murphy even though uh, Beth and, and Tom Ricketts and stuff didn't always get along with rooftops and all that kind of stuff.
4: yep she was one of a kind and she will be missed.
0: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's
1: only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure.
0: You got this, Adidas. You are listening to
3: season two, episode 31, Cubs Pin the Padres. In this segment, Crowley continues an interview with Mick Gillespie, the play by play announcer for the Tennessee Smokies. Here's part two.
4: Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, we have your play by play announcer for your Tennessee Smokies. As we continue our Down on the Farm segment, we have now moved up to double A. Mick Gillespie, how are you, buddy?
0: Yeah, what do you say, man? I'm doing good, and uh, glad to talk to you, Crawley. I'm, let's get some beers, man.
4: You guys got a loaded outfield, and it's it's tricky, probably to find playing time for all these guys. When you take a look at this, you're talking about PCA, you're talking about Owen Casey, you're talking about Jordan Nuogu, Cole Rotor. I mean Zach Davies. I mean it is it is an unbelievable amount of talent that you know that has come up in the outfield let's let's talk PCA man obviously the Cubs number one prospect we we saw an amazingly ridiculous slide the other day Javi-esque plays in the outfield I I mean everybody that I talk to says you know every tool is ready it's just the hit tool that's just got to be cleaned up a little bit
0: yeah look I I feel like the guy can do it all Uh, he's a young guy maturity might be an issue for him Um, you know it's crazy that mom and dad are actors You know, like, (laughs) I mean, he grew up out in in L.A., you know, and and his parents are, are, you know, phenomenal actors. And uh, this guy can take over a game. He's really fun to watch, you know, and he's he's a young guy. Um, The biggest problem that he's going to run into is just his motivation. You know, how motivated is he to do things the way that they need to be done to get to where he can get to? And how motivated is he going to be to keep it going? Because he's as talented to me as KB, as Javi, as Kyle Schwarber. I mean, like, I, and, and it's a different type of talent. Um, but he's got some pop. He runs the bases with, you know, with abandon. With, But I don't want to say reckless abandon because it's intelligence abandon. You know, like, he, he just reads the ball. He's so fast. He's excellent defensively in the outfield. He's got some pop. Um, I'm a super fan. You know, I just hope the maturity is there because um what I see, you know, the scout hat coming on, this guy's man, he's got it all, you know. So I'm 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 super excited for what his potential is and I'm curious to see, you know, how that is going to translate into playing every day, but I mean, I, I can't imagine him not being the Cubs center fielder of the future. I just, I just can't see it. I mean, like I, I, I all the, the stuff that this guy brings to the table and, and, and his ability to lead off and the speed and everything else, man, this guy's got so many tools.
4: Well, what blows me away is that like, when you think about the history of the Chicago Cubs and I say, name me the best Cubs center fielder ever that that who do you think? You, who do you say? See, that's the Dernier? thing. They're near. You know, that's the thing. they near was good, but I mean, like, you know, it's you don't have Juan a Pierre. Of... Juan Pierre. <laughs> I mean, yeah. really.
0: I mean, I'm just asking you. I mean, Dexter like, I, Fowler. I, you know, I mean, where are you going with this? I, I don't think Dexter didn't play long enough for me. I mean, like, I think Dexter was good for you know the year. How many years was he in Chicago? You know, I mean, like, okay, like he he got the World Series. I mean, and I love Dexter, but. You know, and Bobby was, you know, how many, he was there for a while. And no, was only, was there.
4: I think he was only there for like three years. He came over, he came over right around 84, 84, 85, 86, like three years. And, and, and again, like, you know, his prime years were a little bit before that. So that's where, that's my point, I guess, is that right. when you look at these center field, like the Cubs have a very weak history in that position. And that's where I know. PCA kind of gets me excited because I don't want converted second baseman or like people, like put Chris morell in center <laughs> and I'm like, no guys like just looking at Cody Bellinger and what he's done and just watching this guy glide. I was in the bleachers the other day and I'm like, Oh my God, he is right there. Like I watched the ball off the bat. And the next thing I know, Bellinger's right there. That's just, you yeah. can't teach that. No. You, you
0: can't teach look, it either. You do it or you I don't. I think I, you know, I, and, and I got a lot of, Crap on social because, you know, I'm not about trying to pay some of these guys a ton of money when I don't really believe that they're total difference making type of players. But the Cody Bellinger deal for the Cubs to me felt really good because this guy's got nothing but potential, you know, and he's an MVP. I mean, he's a guy who could be the difference if the Cubs make the playoffs this year. He's that type of guy. Plus, he's playing, you know, for his contract right now. I mean, we saw the best of Jock Peterson before trading him to the Braves, and, and he helped them win the World Series. You know, kind of different but the same, you know, like a guy who's really out to prove something. Cody Bellinger is better than Jock Peterson, and I get it, man, like seeing him in center field and what he can do and all that stuff. But Pete Crow Armstrong isn't Bellinger. Pete Crow Armstrong's like your prototypical, like gold Glove off the balls in the gap I'm making the diving plays I'm leading off you know I'm getting on base I'm stealing bases type guy Um, I I I love Nico at the leadoff spot but I could slide him down to number two and have uh you know uh PCA leading off and I think it would be a damn good lineup man I mean like moving (laughs) forward I, I I I'm just curious to see how hungry you know, Pete Crow Armstrong is, um, you know, once he gets there because he's going to get there to be the best that he can possibly be. Uh, because, I mean, I, I really feel like, like you said, you look at the Cubs and their history. I mean, we've been fans a long time. There really hasn't been that like guy, nope. the old leadoff type dude. He's that guy. He could be.
4: That's what I'm thinking. And then when you talk about the maturity, You know, I think people forget he's 21, and even younger than that is Owen Casey, who's, you know, you look at that guy, lefty, 20 years old. He just played for Team Canada and and had a good run. He's another guy that has a lot of people really excited. It's hard to believe that these kids are all so young. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, he doesn't jump off the page like Pete Crow Armstrong, but you're talking about great arm, right fielder, power, uh, drives in runs. Uh, you know, I, I see him developing uh, at, at a little slower uh, rate, but you know, it's a different position too, you know, right. because he's he, he's expected to hit home runs and drive in men and all that stuff. And I, I definitely could see that happening. I mean, he's got the frame. He hasn't even grown into it yet. You know, <laughs> like, he's a guy, he's like still a kid, um, but he's got a really good eye. Um he's another player that I I would circle, you know, I, I don't put him on the same level as PCA yet, but at the same time, you know, like I could definitely see him being someone who is, um, just a cornerstone for the Cubs in the future.
4: I, okay. I'm saving the best for last because I look Save at it. your starting rotation. Oh Lordy. I mean, that, that is, that is a deep, rotation when you take a look at jordan wicks and porter hodge and ben brown and daniel palencia and ryan jensen those are some those are some dudes right there that's all i'm saying
0: yeah i mean let's start with ben brown he was traded by the phillies to the cubs at the deadline last year for um you know robertson and and uh he's been so good man he's second in the league in earn run average he's big and lanky and uh, throws strikes and attacks hitters. Um, He's probably the first guy I would imagine from this team to get promoted. Um, And so, you know, there's a lot of excitement around him. Uh, Jordan Wicks is still young, and I think he still has a lot of developing to do, but he's a left-hander who – disguises the ball really well. Like it's hard for batters to pick up what he's bringing to the plate. And he's another guy that's going to be in the big leagues. No doubt about it to me. Like, and and it's probably going to be sooner than later. I mean, I feel like he's kind of like right there, you know, for him, it's just like being consistent in the strike zone, but you know, the the left-handed delivery and what he brings to the table and the fact that he's a prospect, Talked to him today. He's a really good guy on top of it all. So, you know, he's another guy. Uh, I feel like Palencia's got some work to do in this league, but, you know, there's no doubt about it. You can't put aside the success that he's had. And, um, you know, and Ryan Jensen is someone that I feel like could really be an asset out of the Cubs' bullpen. Um, I'm not ready to give up on him as a starter. Uh, the biggest thing is he's just – he's got – first off, he he's a really good athlete. Like, he's just built, like, a guy I don't think's going to get hurt a lot. He's just got a thick build. You know, he's not very tall, but he's got big hands and big arms, and he's just – he can throw, you know, like he's a thrower. And, and it, all it is for him is just – and he's got a ton of movement. It's just like, look, if you can just repeat your delivery – just repeat it, you know, just right. keep on repeating your delivery. This guy's, this guy could really be an asset for the Cubs. And, and if he, and if he got really good at it, he could be a starter and maybe not, he'd be a reliever. But I, I just, I like him a lot too. You know, I, I just do. I mean, I really like him. And and like
4: I said, Porter Hodge, you know, hopefully he can have some success. And then I, and we didn't even mention DJ. Just out.
0: Yeah. <laughs> DJ Hurst, yeah. who's
4: on the seven day uh, IL. Are there any relievers that you've kind of said, um, you're looking at that stuff and kinda kinda draws your attention there, Mick?
0: Well, look, Kane Eckert, who's dealt with some injuries, but I mean he he's got big league stuff, you know. And and uh I'm I'm honestly I'm kinda surprised that he's back here because it was a couple years ago that, that he was so good. But um, you know, he's a guy that I would circle and say, Hey, you know get healthy and, and get back. And I feel like the Cubs have done a a really good job of developing the, the relief pitcher. And um, I, I think that that's going to be a strength for the big league club. Uh, And it already is. I mean, I think it's going to continue to be.
4: Yeah. Those arms are coming now, Mick, for people that have not been to smoky Stadium. Tell tell the listeners why they should come visit visit uh you know go come down to Tennessee to Kodak, Tennessee and, and visit the Tennessee Smokies. Since two
0: thousand seven, the uh, Smokies have been the Cubs' double A affiliate, and uh, and I, I think that anyone that's watching would really enjoy. And and look honestly, man, we've had a lot of people that have come down and spent their you know their vacation. Hey, checking out some games, but. It's a really laid back atmosphere. Uh, it's a great place to watch baseball. the uh, The prices are are excellent, and and one of the biggest things that the team tries to do is just making a friendly uh, environment. Man, like it, it, we're trying to be. The, our moniker is America's friendliest ballpark, and we take that seriously. You know, like if you come down, Crawley. We're going to take care of you, you know, if, if, if you, whoever you bring with you, we're going to be nice to you, man. Like we're, we're just laid back. There's, there's definitely, you know, kind of that, 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 you know, Southern hospitality that they try to have there. You know, we just have a good time. I mean, it's, it's a really, I've, I've been down here a long time and it's just a really fun atmosphere where we just try to be very inclusive and we try to, Try to be funny, and and throw out that hospitality. And um, I think if you came down, you'd really enjoy it.
4: I, I I'm going I'm going to work on that, Mick, because I, I, it is my goal to get down to see the Smokies. It's my goal to hang out with you in your stomping grounds. Love and, it. And it is my goal to see this team. That really, like I said, just just for any any of the prospect hounds out there, it's it. Like I said, eleven of the top thirty prospects. that's almost half the top prospects are sitting there in Tennessee. So. If you're, I'm just encouraging any Cub fans. If you got an opportunity to get out this year, or you're planning a family vacation, still, really, really give it a, a thought here because trust me, Tennessee's calling my name. I could tell you that much. So I appreciate your time today, Mick, and I'm glad to hear you calling the games, and 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 keep keep doing what you're doing, man, because we love it up here.
0: Hey, I, that's that's all I'm trying to do. Um, and you guys keep up the good work too. And, and, and everybody at the score, man, great to see you. Um, and let's, you know, let's hope that the Smokies, maybe this is their year to win the championship, but I, honestly, if the Cubs could compete and, uh, and a lot of these guys turn into big time talent at the major league level, that would be even better. Sounds good. Mick, you
2: take care. And thanks again.
0: Hey, anytime.
3: In this segment, Crowley will preview the Marlins series by taking you down to South Florida. Alex Krutchik, host of the Marlins podcast, The Fish Stripes, to see what's happening
4: down in South Beach. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I am happy to welcome Alex Krutchik from the Marlins podcast, Fish Stripes. What is going on, Alex? How are you?
1: How's it going, Paul? Things are doing well. Uh pretty well, just a couple hours removed from a pretty big comeback win for the Marlins against the Braves. Uh, it was pretty fun to watch, follow along with, uh, It's something that never seems to happen, uh, to the Marlins in Atlanta. Atlanta has been the thorn in the Marlins side for years. I'm sure the Cubs have a team like that, where it's just a team that you cannot beat them, especially when you go to their city.
4: Well, St. Louis has always kind of been the traditional rival. So that's always been the one that, uh, you know, it's been, it had been frustrating, but uh, one of the great all-time moments for us is, is when the Cubs beat them in 2015, the first time they faced each other in the postseason. So, yeah, I, it, it is hard because Atlanta's like a perennial, always in first place, always in the postseason, so I get what you're saying.
1: It's uh, it's one of those things where they're always really, really good already, and then they kick it up a notch against the Marlins. But it was fun.
4: <laughs> well, that's good. So So both teams, the Cubs and the Marlins, who face off – this weekend are coming off, coming off victories. So that's gotta be good. The Cubs took four of six from your Marlins last season. They took two of three in Wrigley in August and two of three from the Marlins in Miami in September. And Alex, I was talking to um, Blake Harris from the inside the ravine podcast with the Dodgers. We just finished playing the Dodgers twice. We don't play them the rest of the year. And I was talking about how dumb that is because You guys played us last year in August and September when the Cubs, after the All-Star break, ended up being one of the best teams. If you had played us in April, May, June, it was a completely different team.
1: Yeah, of course. It's one of those weird things where sometimes it really helps, sometimes it really hurts. If the other team is injured or they're just kind of cold, uh, it's one of those things where you love it. You know, uh, the Marlins, uh, I'll give you an example. The Marlins played the Phillies a couple weeks ago. Uh, the Phillies are going to be a very good team this year, but they started off very cold. Um, I would have loved to play them a, a couple times more if we could have, uh, just because when you play teams back to back, you either get them when they're really hot or really cold. It just depends on how the cards fall that day or that week.
4: Yeah, and so last year you guys got us when we were we we're in their hottest stretch. Yeah, that August September stretch was unbl- and September. I mean, it, it it looked like a completely different team. You wouldn't even have recognized that team from April and May. But that team is not the team you're facing. The Cubs made a ton of offseason moves. Finally, uh, after a few years of not spending much, they kind of are back on the market. They picked up shortstop Dansby Swanson, uh, pitcher Jamison Tyone, Cody Bellinger, Trey Mancini, Eric Hosmer, Tucker Barnhart, Brad Boxberger, Michael Fulmer, and they re-signed Drew Smiley. So, I mean, a ton of moves, but the, the, you know, obviously the big loss was Wilson Contreras. He's now playing for the Cardinals that I was talking about. And then Wade Miley is now North of the cheddar curtain over in Milwaukee. So those are the moves that the Cubs have made. And you can see a lot of it is, you know, James uh, Swanson's a big one, obviously, but uh, a lot of high character guys, and it's just brought a winning attitude to Chicago.
1: Yeah. It's, it's been fun to to follow along with the guys when I can. And, is it Cody Bellinger? You guys are enjoying him up there?
4: Yeah. Uh, he actually, I don't know if he's going to be in this series. He just had a child. His wife had a child, (laughs) excuse me. And his wife had a child. And what ends up happening is that he took, um, paternity leave. So we've had Nelson Velasquez, who's a real young, bright talent coming up, but yeah, watching Cody Bellinger, I mean, the Cubs have had a very long history of bad center fielders. So watching that guy play, even if he doesn't hit, and he's been doing pretty good with the bat as well, but just watching him defensively is
1: out of this world. It's been fun to watch for sure because Cody Bellinger is one of those guys where he comes into the league, he plays very well, and then out of nowhere, I, I'm, I'm not a, the strongest talent evaluator, so I can't look at him and figure out what the heck went wrong with him. But he just had such a dip in performance the last couple of years, so it's fun to see that he's back to, to at least – semi close to where he could be. Well
4: that's the hope. And it's a one year prove it deal. So he's got a lot riding on this and, and for the Cubs they kinda, you know, they they took a gamble and they paid a big price. I mean it's not I mean twenty million is, isn't anything to sneeze at, but based on his production the last couple of years, that was a pretty high salary for a guy that was struggling. So, you know, I think the deal worked out for everybody. So we'll see what happens and hopefully he'll be back for the
1: series. Yeah, of course it it'll be fun to watch him uh, be fun to watch him down here in Miami if, if we could see him.
4: So what did Miami do this offseason to kind of change the team up
1: a little bit? Uh, Well, speaking of deals that work out for everybody, I'm going to start with Luis Arise. Uh, He was, of course, the American League batting champ last year. And as of right now, he's in line to win it in the National League this year. Uh, He was uh, traded to Miami in January. Uh, The Marlins sent away pitcher Pablo Lopez, who now looks like a possible Cy Young candidate. I know it's only been a few starts. It's only April. But uh, working with what we have right now, he looks like a possible Cy Young candidate. We also sent away a uh, uh, prospect hitter, Jose Salas. Uh, Luis Ariz has been so impressive, not only because of obviously how well he's hitting, but Miami has not been historically good at hitting uh, under this current ownership group. Um, so many free agents and trade acquisitions and draft picks have come in and they just Fall off. Luis Arise is one of the only guys uh, that I could think of under Kim Aang, under Bruce Sherman, who has come in and actually exceeded expectations. Um, so let's take a look at some stats. Aside from opening weekend, when you know the stats are really wonky, even by April standards, his batting average peaked at uh, 537. Uh, His average has gone down uh, since then by virtue of the fact that no one can hit the ball more than 50% of the time over a long sample size. Uh, But he hasn't slowed down. He's still hot. Uh, He's got 10 hits in his last seven games, Uh, and that includes one game where he went completely hitless. Um, He is a very throwback player. The only thing he's missing is a little bit of speed. He's not the fastest guy, but he just puts the ball in play. He's not a huge home run hitter. Uh, but he puts the ball in play and he gets on base. Uh, he's been bouncing around between the number one and the number three spot in the lineup uh, because like I said, he's not a traditional leadoff hitter in the sense that he's not really fast. Uh, but at the number one and number three spot, he's been pretty productive uh, wherever he is.
4: Nice. Who else did you guys, you guys got, got any other good pickups?
1: Um, well, one of the guys that I'm most impressed with, and I'll talk about him a little bit more, uh, later when we talk about some of the guys that have been real hot for the Marlins, but AJ puck, uh, he's, I I don't want to give out all the information yet on him, but he's one of the closer, one of the first closers in a long time, uh, where I don't get heartburn when I see him come in with a tight lead. Uh, he's been so productive. He's been so trustworthy. Um, the, the, The only name I could think of, A.J. Ramos from, you know, the mid-2010 era uh, for the Marlins. But even he would let up, you know, a hit here, a walk there. It was a roller coaster with him. A.J. Puck doesn't allow hits or walks so many times. He'll go one, two, three. Um, So that's been a great uh, acquisition. He was the one that the Marlins got from Oakland when uh, we sent away J.J. Bladet. Uh, Kim Ang, for all of the criticism that she gets, and some of it is deserved, some of it isn't, uh, she will fleece a team. Uh, I think that J.J. Blade for what looks like a lockdown closer, a long-term lockdown closer, it's a steal. So that's who I am also very impressed with. Uh, We got a couple of other guys that they acquired that I'm not uh, too happy with what I've seen, but also kind of expected. Uh, they got uh, Gene Segura. He has been, in the nicest way possible, just a net negative uh, on offense. There's nothing to really speak of. He's actually, he's not just a strikeout hitter. He's actually worse. He grounds into double plays a whole lot. Um, guaranteed, he's going to ground into at least one double play this weekend. Uh, he's tied for the major league lead with seven groundouts. Uh, his fielding hasn't been great. He's got a 915 15 uh, field percentage. Uh, he's got a few errors. Uh, when you watch the games this weekend, I guarantee you'll see at least three throws that go over the first baseman's head that he's going to have to corral. So, I mean, he keeps the first baseman awake and active. That's for sure. I remember
4: Gene Segura from his Milwaukee days. Speaking of Milwaukee days, can you guys stop giving Milwaukee players, because we talked about Pablo Lopez and how he's gone but uh, uh, Brian Anderson, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that that was a real hot start. He's cooled down a little bit. And, uh, you know, I selfishly was like, thank God. It's not another Christian Yellick situation. But also, I, I was happy to see him. He was very good with Miami his first couple of years. A combination of injuries and just, you know, your typical ebbs and flows in a career. He didn't look too hot the last year or two he was here. Um, but that was – that That almost looked very Christian yellowish, like, yes, cool down a little bit. Um, but, yeah, were, were you guys getting nervous up
0: there yes, yes, yes.
4: yes I, I was I was so mad. I was like, God bless it, But I'll tell you something, and I'm just gonna bring this up and I'm gonna bring it up nicely. I was sitting here, and I, I go to a lot of different games and different ballparks, alex. and 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 I was it was me and some other it was some uh, Marlin's prospect block, but I got an email. And I put this out here. What were you guys doing with this Bartman email? What was going on with that in Miami?
1: <laughs> oh, boy. So this was a real email that some of my colleagues also got, but the Marlins backtracked and said it was <laughs> sent out in error. Look, I I didn't like it. I feel terrible for the guy. Um, I don't feel terrible for the the select Cubs fans that, you know, made his life that way, but – I feel so terrible for him. He doesn't want to be bothered. He doesn't want to do, you know, even after the Cubs won the world series, he didn't want to be part of the celebration or anything publicly. Like remember when the, uh, I believe it was the red Sox that brought back uh, bill Buckner and, and everyone. Well, oh, we forgive you in public now because we won the world series. I don't think that Steve Bartman wanted anything to do with that. Uh, so I do think that the Marlins made a little bit of a faux pas <laughs> with that, because now you're, we're talking about Steve Bartman again. Now Steve Bartman's back in the spotlight. now his face is probably red, and he's probably sweating a little bit because he's like, oh, my God, they haven't spoken about me in years. And now here they go again.
4: Yeah, it's hard to believe it was that long ago, 20 years, right? Yeah. 20 years ago, and I was actually at both the game, all the games, game one, two, and six and seven, all the games at Wrigley. So it brought up bad memories for me. But thinking about positive memories about this weekend series, let's take a look at the pitching probables right now. We got game one. Marcus Stroman versus Jesus Lusardo. Stro has been really good for the Cubs all year. The last start wasn't the greatest. He's two and two at the 217 ERA. Um, He got torched. We we got the Dodgers. We beat them in Los Angeles, but the Dodgers really did a number at Wrigley. They took three of four against the Cubs. So Stro gave up a couple of long balls in that game. And it, you know, it kind of got away from him in the sixth inning, but in general, He's been, he was really one of our better pitchers this whole season so far.
1: Yeah, he's been, he's been pretty fun to watch. And, and as for Jesus Lazardo, he will also be fun to watch at his absolute peak of potential. And uh, we did see that in one game against the twins earlier this year, he pitched seven innings, struck out 10, gave up one run. Since then, he's kind of been average, an average pitcher, which has been a little concerning to see. I'm not actually concerned about him, but it's been kind of frustrating to watch because he was one of those guys where a lot of people down here in Miami were saying Asus Lazardo is going to be great, but I was one of those ones that was saying he might be just as good as Sandy this year. Um, he's got a great fastball. He's got a great arsenal. He's got velocity. He's got movement. He's got length as well. He, he could be uh, – Uh, efficient enough to pitch seven or eight innings consistently, but we haven't seen that this year. Uh, He's kind of been cold the last couple starts. Each of his last two starts, he's only gone four and a third. Uh, And his last start against Cleveland a few days ago, uh, gave up four runs. uh, Start before that against San Francisco, he gave up three runs. Start before that against Philly, gave up three runs. Uh, So he hasn't been as efficient lately. If he can be efficient and stop walking, guys, uh, stop getting into deep counts. Stop giving up, you know, eight hits, six hits, eight hits a game. Uh, he's going to be a fun watch, and I do hope that this will be a a good pitching matchup, which I suspect it will be if if both of these guys can can channel the best that they can be.
4: Right. So this is pro- that's probably the best pitching matchup of the weekend because on Saturday. Um, you guys have Edward Cabrera. I haven't, I, all I've seen is TBD. I don't know if they've updated or changed anything, but, um, Jamison Tyone, one of the Cubs free agent acquisitions had, uh, did something with a groin and, and it really hasn't been explained that well, but he's just long tossing and he's been out. So the question is, are are they going to go with a bullpen game? Or I'm sure they're going to call somebody up. Uh, Javier Assad was called up earlier for Jamison Tyone. He had a great spring training, a great world baseball classic, and then flopped right out of the gate. And so he was down in AAA, and they're working on some things. But that's the – I mean, potentially him, potentially Rowanis Elias, uh, who was also in the WBC for Team Cuba, but not really sure exactly what you guys are going to see on Saturday.
1: Yeah, this is going to be a whole uh, weekend of TBD because I believe, if I'm correct, uh, the Marlins currently have TBD listed on Sunday. Let me just check that out real quick. Uh, but, but I do believe if it's not already listed officially, I do believe, um, from what I've heard, and then this is nothing official that I know of yet, but uh, I've heard that it'll be, uh, Brian Hoeing, who has been in the minor leagues for the Marlins did make a start this week against, uh, Cleveland. I believe it was Cleveland. It was either Cleveland or earlier in the Atlanta series. Did pretty good, uh, pretty good for a spot starter. He's going to give you innings. He's, you know, going to... He's going to give you a chance to win. He's a good pitcher, but he's a spot starter. He'll be back down uh, as soon as Marlins guys get healthy. As for Edward Cabrera on Saturday, um, he's another one of those guys. I briefly mentioned it with Jesus Lozardo. If he can stop walking, guys, he's another guy who is sensational. He's got a disgusting curveball. Uh, probably, if I, if I had to say, I would say it's the best curveball in the Marlins rotation off the top of my head uh he gave up four runs in four and a third against atlanta a few days ago uh now is also uh, by virtue of walking four guys in part uh so if he can keep control and uh keep walks off the board i think that's another exciting one all right so you're 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 preaching
4: you're saying a a The Cubs should be patient in their approach here with some of these younger
1: Marlins pitchers. Some of these guys. Definitely, I would say, if I had to give out the scouting report, I would say that uh, Saturday when Edward Cabrera pitches, just kind of watch a few pitches. Definitely don't go first pitch swinging.
4: All right. Now, good luck to you guys on Sunday because you mentioned Brian Henning is who I have down here too as well. But he is going to take on the big lefty, Justin Steele, 4-0 with a 119 ERA. Since the All Star Game last year, he has the lowest ERA of any starter in baseball since the All Star break last year. So, it has really just clicked in for him, and he has been—it has been so fun to watch this kid pitch. He—he he literally just—it it, just—I don't know. He's got that that bulldog mentality in him, and he just goes out there and he does it. And, and so he's, like I said, four and zero. Last start was against San Diego. He didn't, he didn't go six innings, so it's the first time in a while he hasn't had a quality start. But he went, he went 5.1 innings and gave up three hits and no earned runs. So, I mean, when you just go down the list, it's four hits, one run, you know, three hits, two runs. It's ever, you know, the first start was a little bit shaky of the year, but ever since then,
1: he's just been on fire. Yeah, that'll be fun. And where did he come from, if you don't mind? Because that's a name that I've heard around, but I'm, I'm not familiar with his game. What's he all about?
4: So Justin Steele was drafted by the Cubs in 2014. And then just a combination of different things, injuries, COVID, all this stuff, you know, he kind of came up then as a reliever. And then last year he took the, you know, he started some two years ago in 2021. He had some starts and then he competed for a job in 2022 and he did really good. But then something just, like I said, clicked in, and in this, especially in the second half and the guy became just otherworldly. And so it's, it's been a fun, fun to watch. And and the Cubs are not known for developing pitching that much. So, you know, I'm trying to think maybe Carlos Zambrano and Mark Pryor who who were in those 2003 teams, but but in general, not, not the Cubs strong suit. So having, having someone that comes up from our system has been really exciting.
1: That's awesome. Especially when they've been in the minors for that long. I know it's a little bit different of a story, but that, that Maggie guy, is it drew Maggie? (laughs) Uh, with Pittsburgh, those thirty-three years old just came up from the minors. Those those kinds of stories are cool.
4: Yeah, and 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 Justin's still pretty young, uh, relatively young. He's only he's only twenty-seven, so you know it's it's good to see him, uh, you know, breaking out and kind of having uh, some some good success here. So really good guy too, good 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 kid. So going to be a fun one on that one. So as we kind of go into this weekend, we're going to do some hots and knots. And one guy, when you talk about leadoff hitter, our leadoff hitter, we finally actually have one for the first time since Dexter Fowler. Nico Horner has been on fire uh, lately. Last seven games, he's batting 333 with two home runs and 10 RBIs, nine hits and 27 at-bats. But this guy has just been – he just got a contract extension maybe like right before opening day, and, it, and it's just been so exciting to watch him. He's been really good. Trey Mancini, who everyone was freaking out, signed in the offseason. season, but uh, you know he had a start, you know, sluggish start, but now he's picking it up. He's batting 316 in the last seven with two home runs and five RBIs, so pretty good. Um, on the,
1: you know, who do you guys got? Who that's that's pretty hot right now. So I actually wanted to do a little bit of a zigzag with that. I have a, the the entire back end of the Marlins bullpen: Dylan Floro and AJ Puck. Um, I told you, I didn't want to give away the whole book on AJ puck. And that's because I wanted to drop a couple stats. So he is, he's got a 1.0 ERA, uh, besides, uh, it was, it was the second game of the season. It, either way, it was opening weekend against the Mets. It was his first appearance. Uh, Marlins are up two nothing. Uh, AJ puck gives up a solo home run to Pete Alonzo in the ninth inning. That was it. Uh, Only run scored that game, still gets the two-to-one save. He hasn't given up a single run since then. Uh, He has thrown seven scoreless outings since then, eight innings total, uh, zero runs since then. So aside from that run, which was technically in March, so he has not given up a run all April. Uh, So I don't want to say that he's automatic because I'm sure once I say that he's going to give up five runs on Saturday. (laughs) Uh, But he's as automatic as you can get so far. Um, and then Dylan Floro. Uh, Dylan Floro is not a name that a whole lot of people know, um, but he's been the Marlins eighth inning guy. Um, the, what, what I kept saying about this bullpen last year is it was full of a bunch of middle reliever guys that are fine in the sixth, seventh inning. Maybe if your pitcher has a short start, they can go in the fifth inning. But we didn't have any eight, eighth inning or ninth inning guys. Dylan Floro has been the perfect setup man so far. He's been their uh, eighth inning pitcher. Um, he's got a 235 ERA. That 235 ERA came from Wednesday night against the Braves. He gave up three runs. It was the first time all year that he gave up any runs at all. First time all year he gave up multiple hits. Uh, uh, and that was it. Everything else has been just a big goose egg. Zero, 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 zero. Uh, he came back Thursday afternoon, uh, delivered scoreless and hitless ninth. He actually got the save opportunity in uh, the comeback victory from the Marlins. So the Marlins have had this thing now where, and again, this hasn't been the case in years. I've been following this team since I was five um, years since the Marlins have been in a position where if they have the lead um, in the eighth inning, uh, they're not giving it up. Uh, so that eighth and ninth inning battery, I would say that those are the hots. Okay. Okay. And then,
4: you know, I was going to say for the knots, Dansby Swanson has been struggling, but he just had a his first Cubs home run today. But since you went bullpen, I'm going to go bullpen. We do not have that lockdown closer right now, and that's been a problem. Uh, Michael Fulmer, who they signed in the offseason, he's at a 784 ERA right now with two losses. And so he he has been struggling. So if you see Michael Fulmer come in, Brad Boxberger they got, and he's been okay, not, not spectacular, but I think with the Cubs in the eighth and the ninth inning, that's kind of a concern right now because there isn't guys that miss bat. These are guys that pitch to a lot of contact. Um, and, and so that's kind of been a struggle for the Cubs so far is, is who is the ninth inning guy? Boxberger figures better as an eighth inning guy than a ninth inning guy. Um, but, but the bullpen right now for the Cubs, I think it's going to be a lot better in the second half. I think there's some guys on the way just not happening just
1: yet. Yeah, that's always frustrating was when you know you, you kind of have arms, but you just can't click the right buttons to say wh- where does this pitcher go, which inning should this guy go into. The Marlins have had that problem for a few years. Yeah, I, I, I can name a few guys. Anthony Bass, for example, was one of those guys who just – he was good only in certain innings, and then you would say, hey, let's try him out as a closer, and then he would be not good. I got to ask you, I know someone else
4: that's cold on your team that's familiar with our audience, and that is Jorge Soler
1: struggling out of the gate. What's going on with Georgie? Uh, so actually, right out of the gate, he was tremendous. He has cooled down a little bit, um, but he was—he had a barrel rate of 42%. I want to say uh, it, it would have been his season high. Or, uh, sorry, his career high. Uh, he has cooled down a little bit, but he was hitting – Bombs for Miami, some clutch bombs as well. He had a game tying home. It was either game tying or go ahead home run a couple weeks ago. Uh, he hadn't been striking out a whole lot. Um, he has cooled down a little bit, but for the most part, the Marlins are getting or were getting what they wanted out of him when they originally signed him last year, which was a guy who he's going to strike out. He's not going to hit for a whole lot of average but he's going to hit home runs last year. They kind of got home runs before he had the back injury. He was on pace for 25 home runs. I believe a give and take 25 home runs. He's on pace for a little bit more than that this year. Um, So the Marlins are getting what they want from him and he's hitting the ball hard. The the power hasn't left him.
4: All right. Well, we'll, we'll kind of watch closely. Good, good dude. and, And hopefully, like I said, he'll do some autograph signings in Chicago. All the people that need him on that world series, Merch, but uh, this, like, like you said, you know, this should be a pretty fun series. You got that interesting pitching matchup on Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday, let's throw caution to the wind and see what happens.
1: Exactly. No, yeah. Sunday is going to be one of those uh, who's who. Who's who <laughs> with the, the classic Sunday lineups, classic Sunday uh, uh, starting matchups. It'll be fun. Well, Alex, I appreciate you jumping on the podcast.
4: Um, For any of our listeners that are interested, you host the Fish Stripes podcast. You guys talk all things Marlins. And I'm going to wish you guys luck after this weekend, my friend.
1: Of course, and you as well. Thank you so much, Paul. All
4: right,
3: Crowley, great interview. Cubs and Miami Marlins. This one's going to start out Friday night.
4: Yeah, I got to tell you, I I I am going to still be positive. I still think the Cubs are going to play take two or three. I just hate that stadium in Miami. I just feel like the Cubs always seem to struggle there. Have you been there, Crowley? I I have been there. I was there on uh, opening day in 2018 when Ian Happ hit the very first pitch for a home run of the season. So, I I am. I think that they are going to the game two. That TBD. Ross is being a little coy about that. I don't know. So it's hard for me to really say what's going to happen at this point. But uh well, I, I take got, a guess. Might be Javier Assad. I'm not Assad, sure.
3: right? Or yeah. or some type of an uh, an opening, and then Assad comes in. Something like that.
4: It's possible, but that that that's my you know I, I don't. And I'm, that's uh, a Fox. That's a national. That's a Fox national afternoon game. Right. So that that Royce Elias. If may- that matters, but. Right. Roy Neselius maybe, or Javier Assad. So I, I like Strowman and I like Justin Steele in game three for sure. So I think they're going to take two or three.
3: Yep. This should be another series. The, uh, Cubs will win. Absolutely. And, uh, we don't really have to do much predicting there. We're in agreement. Two out of three, four are Cubbies. That's a wrap. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and subscribe to the fly. The W podcast, follow us on all the socials, follow the, us on the fly the w facebook page fly the w on 670 instagram and of course email us fly the w 670 gmail.com and now you can watch us on youtube by subscribing to this fly the 670 score on the youtube channel Probably have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. Um, Good thing they're probably not playing here in Chicago because the rain is supposedly coming heavy on Saturday and Sunday. So the Cubs games will happen. You can listen to Pat and Ron or watch them on TV and
4: enjoy yourself. The Cubs are taking their talents to South Beach. Go Cubs. It's all over.